Chapter 5. Diverse Immigration, Gender Diversity Diversity occurred early on in British Colony in the late 1880s, with a defined strategy to encourage and bring more women to Australia on free passage to calm the dominant male settlement and bring order and harmony to family life. Most of the new arrivals were Jewish girls who were encouraged to leave England and their doomed life of prostitution on the streets of London. To prevent the women from falling into a life of prostitution in Australia, a free settler by the name of Carolyn Chisholm established Australia's first employment agency, connecting the women with employers and finding them suitable jobs in areas such as domestic help. Many married their employers. Women have also participated in the Australian workforce, not only early on, but throughout the entire settlement history. In the late 1880s, at a time when women weren't allowed a career, one great Australian woman, Nellie Armstrong, defied odds to succeed in the arts and ventured to France in search of a career in opera. She became world famous as an opera singer under the stage name Nellie Melba. She features on our $10 note. In 1902, Australian women were the first in the world to be able to vote and stand for election for the federal parliament. There were many examples of women achieving in the world of paid work. Women also did many perceived male jobs whilst men went to war, but the equality was not always being granted. Women have fought for equal opportunity in the workplace. Even as late in the 1960s, women had to resign from government work when they married, despite being in employment such as teaching and nursing, occupations where flexibility and part-time can be negotiated easily. In the modern-day workforce, women are able to work across all industries in Australia and hold many positions in the workforce equal to men. In some cultures, this may be different. There are laws to protect women from sexual discrimination and sexual harassment and are adhered to vehemently. With a large number of advertisements about domestic violence, one may think there is a big problem in Australia. It is something that can occur and has occurred with some waves of immigration but a practice that is not tolerated at all in Australia from a legal as well as social perspective. Currently, there are more females enrolling in and graduating from university than males in Australia. The latest figures from the Federal Education Department show over 60% of graduates are female. Actually, in 2010, Australia had women represented in high office from Clover Moore as Lord Mayor of Sydney, Christine Keneally as Premier of New South Wales, and Marie Bashir as Governor of New South Wales, Julia Gillard as Prime Minister, and Quentin Bryce as Governor General of Australia, and Elizabeth II as Queen of Australia. The balance of gender in the Australian workforce has been given more attention in recent times in response to issues around equality for women, retention of women in the workforce, and female representation in management roles and on company boards. Guidelines have been developed to assist the workforce and the largest ASX-listed companies to small-medium-sized enterprises in areas such as best practice, compliance, and reporting. Some Australian organisations have a strong female workforce, such as Australia's largest bank, Commonwealth Bank of Australia, where 70% of employees are female. Cultural Diversity Gold Rush The cultural diversity, as we now see in Australia, started with the gold rush in the 1800s. Many migrants of diverse ethnic backgrounds came to Australia in search of gold, which was discovered in the mid-1800s in Victoria. They came from 150 different nations. As many as 100,000 people moved to Ballarat and Bendigo and surrounding areas where the gold was being discovered and mined. Melbourne overtook Sydney as the biggest city in Australia, growing from 250,000 to half a million, with many of the population new, diverse migrants. 
Melbourne today still boasts great diversity, receives most new immigrants, is expected to grow to a bigger population in the next couple of decades because of the place of choice for new immigrants, available land and the exodus of residents out of Sydney and celebrates cultural festivals annually from all corners of the world. Chinese during the gold rush. By 1861, the Chinese community was thriving making up nearly 7% of Victoria's population. The Chinese were the third largest group to migrate to Australia at the time, behind the British and German. Melbourne's Little Bourke Street became a bustling centre for Chinese food, culture, business, and still remains to this day. Many also sent money back to their families in China, a practice that still exists in current times for many new immigrants, not only from a Chinese background, but from diverse backgrounds. As the gold ran out, many Chinese settled as market gardeners or farmhands. Some set up small grocery stores or fruit and vegetable hawking businesses in country towns. Others worked around Melbourne in a variety of pursuits, including import-export businesses, laundry operations, cabinet-making, and the provision of medicinal practices. Many Chinese religious and cultural organisations were established, and Chinese New Year celebrations become a highlight in many towns in Victoria. Many Chinese also immigrated to Western Australia, where gold was discovered in the late 1890s and set up market gardens to service the gold diggers. Between 1900 and 1920, the majority of vegetables grown in Western Australia were grown by Chinese market gardeners. Over a third of the Chinese population of Western Australia was involved in the market garden industry, which was labour-intensive and relied on farming techniques practised in China. White Australia Policy Soon after Federation in 1901, which unified all states into one governed country, the White Australia policy was introduced in effect to encourage migration from certain European countries, primarily Britain, and prohibit immigration from other parts of the world, especially Asia and places where people did not have white skin. This was exacerbated by the competition in the goldfields between the British and Chinese miners and the labour union opposing the importation of cheap labour from the Pacific Islands. This policy, which became the Immigration Act, stayed in effect until after the Second World War, but was not without protest from the Chinese community. Activists such as Louis Amoy and Lo Kong Meng highlighted the important economic and social contributions made by members of their community and called for a stop to the English dictation tests, which were discriminatory in nature. Interestingly, Broome in the northwest of Australia was exempt from the White Australia Policy and Immigration Act as it had well-established pearling industry that was thriving and many of the divers were Japanese, Chinese and other non-white ethnic groups. Many died and the still standing today is a Japanese cemetery with numerous graves of those who lost their lives from dangerous and deadly work of a pearler. Migrants weren't the only ones to die from work. A statue of an enslaved Aboriginal woman pearling in the 1800s stands strong to remember the large numbers of Aboriginal women who lost their lives forcibly diving for pearl oysters in the deep oceans of the northwest. Chinese influences still permeate in this part of Australia today from this period in our history as evidenced by Chinese street names, such as Johnny Chi Lane, where opium dens and noodle bars lined the downtown broom. Successive governments ensured the Act was dismantled, which saw a huge influx of migration from around the world into Australia, all ethnicities included. Australia's current immigration policy encourages all people from any country to apply to migrate regardless of nationality, ethnicity, culture, religion or language, providing they meet the immigration criteria. 
In recent times, it has been a point system based on skill shortages, family connections, English language and age. There are rumblings that the criteria may change, and given the huge displacement of people due to raging war in the Middle East, overcrowding in Asia, economic downturn in Europe, and just the desire of people to seek employment and a better way of life elsewhere for their families, a fresh approach may be welcomed. Multiculturalism After the abolition of the white Australia policy, Australia embraced multiculturalism. According to recent figures, over 9 million Australians, over one-third of the population, are newcomers, or were born overseas. And apart from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, all other Australians are from migrant ancestry, even the convicts from the First Fleet, albeit forced migration. The diversity of the food that is available is simply indulgent, and the fusion has occurred because of the diverse influences has created a paradise for food lovers like no other place in the world. Aboriginal damper, Thai green curry, Mexican tacos, Chinese dumplings, Lebanese shish kebabs, Italian bruschetta, Greek salad, and Japanese sushi are among the many delicacies that are available. Even sushi is sold in school tuck shops. Cultural diversity is also celebrated through media outlets such as SBS Television and ABC Radio, as well as mainstream broadcasting in bookshops and a litany of literature available in multitude of languages, the endless cultural festivals, and all aspects of art, including theatre, galleries, museums, film, dance, comedy, etc. Cultural diversity is what Australians enjoy in daily life, in schools, workplaces, neighbourhoods and communities. It has not been without its challenges, as people by nature like to be with those most similar to themselves, whether it is culturally, socially or economically, and as a result suburbs have become enclaves for ethnic groups. But over time, people integrate, assimilate and intermarry. Multiculturalism has also shaped our laws. Although Australia is a democracy, we do not have complete freedom of speech. The Australian Constitution recognises equally the importance of free speech and respect for people from diverse backgrounds. In effect, it's not okay to vilify somebody because we have free speech. We place equal value on both laws, the right to speak freely and the right to respect and be respected regardless of a person's origins. Specifically, 18C of the Racial Discrimination Act makes it unlawful to offend, insult, humiliate or intimidate on the basis of race, colour, national or ethnic origin. This legislation is based on multiculturalism and is different distinctly from other countries such as France and the USA, where free speech prevails. In Australia, protests occur, but they get shut down quickly by police if they cause offence and people can be charged for causing offence. An artist can draw discriminatory cartoons, but the magazine won't go to print as it would cause offence to people who lodge a complaint. A religious leader may say derogatory remarks about a person from another ethnic group, but they can be charged for being offensive. Multiculturalism has also led to a diverse religious practice. In the last census data collected in Australia, Christianity remained the most commonly reported religion with 61% of the population, the two largest groups being Catholic and Anglican respectively. The number of people reporting no religion increased significantly from 18.7% of the population in 2006 to 22.3% in 2011. The most common non-Christian religion in 2011 were Buddhism, accounting for 2.5% of the population, Islam, 2.2%, and Hinduism, 1.3%. Of these, Hinduism has experienced the fastest growth since 2006.
increasing from 148,130 to 275,534, followed by Islam from 340,394 to 476,291, and Buddhism from 418,749 to 528,977. Judaism accounts for 0.5% of the population, but the number of Australians with Jewish ancestry is believed to be much higher. Almost 10% of the people did not answer the question about religion on census form. The data also shows that there's a big difference between religious affiliation and actually practicing one's religion. British Migration There have been strategic immigration campaigns, for instance, populate or perish, since white settlement to encourage more British people to migrate to Australia, such as the £10 POM and the Sponsor POM programs after World War II, which ensured Britain would be the country where most migrants come from until recently. POM, POM or P-O-H-M is the name given to the British authority during the early colonial years in Australia. It actually means prisoner of his or her majesty. From 1945 to 1975, of the 1.5 million British immigrants who arrived in Australia, most came out as a result of assisted package scheme under these programs. One program that saw 150,000 British children arrive on our shores after World War II up to 1967 has been under scrutiny in recent times as many of these children, now adults, remember a life of horrendous abuse in institutions in Western Australia and elsewhere. In effect, these children were temporarily placed in state-run institutions in Britain, normally by widowed mothers whose husbands died in the war and who had to go to work to survive, and without parental consent, shipped off to Australia as institutions were overcrowded in Britain. This practice met the demand of the Australian government to bring more white people to Australia. In 1986, Margaret Humphreys, an English social worker, investigated the case of a woman who claimed to be, at the age of four, that she'd been put on a boat to Australia by the British government. She since then unravelled this shocking secret and made her life mission to reunite these innocent and unwilling children who are now adults with their families in the UK. European Migration over 2 million migrants came to Australia from Europe after World War II, some as displaced persons who were required to work in harsh environments for two years, others as migrants seeking a better and safer life after the war for their families. There were no significant requirements, only healthy, European and not too old. The Snowy Mountain Scheme symbolised the pivotal role of European immigrants in Australia's post-war development. The scheme employed workers from 32 countries, including tradesmen, engineers and labourers from Europe, mainly Italy, Greece, Germany and Croatia, who were a few years prior had been to war with one another. European migrants also filled job vacancies in coal and steel industries, rail and shipyards, and the construction of dams, bridges, roads, houses, schools and offices in the rapidly expanding suburbs. Others found work on assembly lines making consumer goods. Promise of the new life in Australia encouraged immigrants to forget their woes and move on. If conflicts raged between people from ethnic groups, threats of being sent home were made by the leaders. This served as an effective strategy. Melbourne today is the second largest Greek city outside of Athens. There are many Australians with diverse European roots and strong European influences are visible in every aspect of Australian culture and way of life. Jewish Migration there are at least eight Jewish convicts, maybe up to 16 on the First Fleet, and another 1,000 following in the 60 years until transportation of convicts ceased. 
The character Fagin from the famous story Oliver Twist was based on a true character, Isaac Solomon, Ike, who came to Australia on the First Fleet. It is believed that there are one million Australians today with Jewish ancestry that can be linked back to Jewish convicts. Many Jews intermarried early on and relinquished their religious beliefs. The unofficial First Lady of the colony, Esther Abrahams, was Jewish. There have been waves of Jewish migration since then. Many Jewish people came as free settlers to South Australia in the 1820s. Many Jewish free settlers then rose to prominence in the community, such as Joseph Montefiore, who established the Bank of Australia, which no longer exists today. The next wave of migration was the gold rush, and many Jews set themselves up as merchants to support the prospectors. Russians and Polish Jews migrated in the 1830s, fleeing persecution. Many more European Jews arrived from 1933 onwards to flee Germany's Nazi regime. Many were granted refugee status during and after the wars. Australia has the largest number of Jewish Holocaust survivors. More Jews arrived from Egypt in 1956 due to the Suez Canal conflict and from Iraq in 1969, fleeing persecution. In the 1980s, many Jews from South Africa arrived post-apartheid, and in the 1980s, more came from Russia. Jews continued to migrate from many countries around the world. Many Jewish people have served as elected officials in numerous capacities throughout Australia's white settlement history. Among the Jewish convicts was John Harris, Australia's first policeman. The first Jew appointed to the colonial parliament in New South Wales' legislative council in 1854 was the prominent merchant Sir Saul Samuel. In 1931, Sir Isaac Isaacs was appointed the first Australian-born Governor-General and was the first Jewish vice-regal representative in the British Empire. Sir Zelman Cohen also served as Governor-General between 1977 and 1982. Sir John Monash was a distinguished Australian Lieutenant-General during World War I leading Australian troops both in Gallipoli and in the Western Front. Monash University is named in his honour. Jewish Australians have also been very successful in the legal profession, business and the arts. Having been a persecuted minority throughout history, they have been great supporters of Indigenous rights. Chinese Migration Current figures show mainland China alongside India are the biggest countries from which migrants come to Australia, not surprising given their large population and geographical locations. They have overtaken the United Kingdom to become our largest source of immigrants since 2011. In the past, most Chinese migrated from Hong Kong, southern China, Southeast Asia and even Africa and spoke predominantly Cantonese. The number of ethnic Chinese calling Australia home is quickly reaching almost 1 million, which is just under 5% of the population. Interestingly, Sydney is the choice of most Chinese, with 10% of the population claiming Chinese ethnicity. Melbourne also is quite large as well as Perth. Brisbane has the highest number of Taiwanese. Despite the initial language barrier and cultural differences, Chinese have adapted and integrated well into Australia. Almost 70% of the third-generation Chinese intermarry with non-Chinese Australians. As Chinese value family and education, they have excelled academically more so than any other ethnic group. It is not uncommon for Chinese migrants to be drawn into running small business. Not only is the past waves of migration, but also current migration, and due to their strong work ethic and sharp business acumen, are highly successful. The Chinese who come as overseas students from university study is the largest group of any overseas student visa category, and sometimes wish to stay and immigrate, making Australia their new home, and do well in white-collar jobs, especially in the health and commerce sectors. 
Many Chinese also successfully straddled two cultures living, working and visiting regularly as the tyranny of distance is attenuated with regular flights between Australia and China and the rest of Asia. One of Australia's most successful and revered Chinese migrants, Dr. Victor Chang, is heralded as a hero of modern heart transplant surgery. He was born in Shanghai, grew up in Hong Kong, and migrated to Australia in 1953 at the age of 17. After completing his medical studies at the University of Sydney and working in St Vincent's Hospital, Sydney, he trained in the United Kingdom and the United States as a surgeon before returning to Australia. In St Vincent's Hospital, he helped establish the National Cardiac Transplant Unit, the country's leading centre for heart and lung transplants. Chung's team had a high success in performing heart transplantations and he pioneered the development of the artificial heart valve. He was appointed a Companion of the Order of Australia, Australia's greatest honours, for his service to international relations between Australia and China and to medical science. In 1991, Chung died after being shot in a failed extortion attempt against him by Chinese criminals. His legacy as one of Australia's greatest surgeons continues to this day as many continue his work in heart transplants. Indian Migration British records show that Indians first arrived in Australia as convicts, transported by the British colonial government in India in the early 19th century. Others arrived as labourers with British subjects who have been living in India. Migration numbers until recent times have been small. However, Indian migration has increased considerably and is on par with Chinese migration as being the two biggest migrant groups in Australia. Indian-born migrants in Australia came from diverse backgrounds, with the largest being Hindu, then Christian, and Sikhs. A small percentage of Muslim, Buddhist, and Jewish. Most speak English and Hindi, and smaller numbers speak Tamil, Urdu, and Bengali. Most work in professional roles, especially IT, whilst others work in clerical sales, production, transport-related roles. Many taxi drivers are Indian. The vibrant Indian culture in Australia is evident in many Indian festivals, Bollywood films, and sumptuous spicy food available for all to relish. Muslim Migration Muslims from Afghanistan first came to Australia as cameleers to assist with the exploration of Australia and were employed by the Birkenwells expedition to explore the arid interior. Later, other Muslims arrived from Rajasthan and Bulushistan and joined the Afghan cameleers for the provision of camel trains. They were an integral part of the construction of the railroad across Australia and in recognition of this, the railway is called the Ghan, short for Afghanistan. With the completed construction of infrastructure across Australia, camel trains were no longer required. Camels were set free in the arid interior, and due to the conducive environment, the numbers today have grown to exceed over 1 million, and henceforth developing into a lucrative trade for the export of camels to the Middle East. Many of the early Muslim settlers returned to their countries of origin, but some stayed and settled in the resource-rich towns such as Broken Hill in outback Australia. In 1915, two Muslim brothers who pledged allegiance to the Islamic Ottoman Empire shot and killed four innocent Australians and injured seven. They were then shot dead by police during the tragic event. This attack is known in Australia's history as the Broken Hill Massacre. Muslims from many regions in the world have migrated to Australia in the last century, primarily in response to war raging in their home countries and, for some, risk of persecution. Bosnia-Herzegovina in the 1940s to the 1950s, Turkey 
early 1970s, Lebanon, early 1970s, and more recently, Kurdistan, Iraq, Iran, Syria, Afghanistan, Palestinian territories, Somalia, and Sudan. In more recent times, Muslims have also migrated under the skills-based immigration project from countries such as Pakistan, Bangladesh, Egypt, Indonesia, Malaysia and Fiji. Currently, Muslims constitute less than 3% of the Australian population. Integration into Australia has been successful despite some recent anti-Muslim sentiment and conflicts which has arisen since 9-11 attacks by Islamic militants against America in 2001 and the suicide bombings that killed and injured innocent people, including many Australians in Bali in 2002. There are many well-known Muslim Australians, including TV personalities, sportsmen, successful businessmen, leaders and more. Refugees, boat people and asylum seekers. Over many decades, refugees have been settled in Australia on government agreements from many parts of the world, especially assisting people to flee from persecution such as Europe, Turkey, the Middle East and Chile after the world wars. In the early 1970s, people seeking asylum from East Timor and Vietnam arrived on the shores of Darwin, referred to as boat people. They risked their lives to sail on leaky boats and to find freedom from persecution. It was fortuitous as attitudes towards immigration after the Vietnam War were changing and stronger ties were being forged with Asia. Other refugees arrived from Cambodia, southern China and also continued from Vietnam in the 1980s and 1990s. In more recent times, refugees are coming to Australia as refugees from war-torn Kurdistan, Iraq, Iran, Syria, Afghanistan, Palestinian territories, Somalia and Sudan. Many government schemes and not-for-profit organisations have assisted and continue to assist migrants to settle into their new home. Boat people continue to arrive on our shores from Sri Lanka and the Middle East due to war in recent times, but it is a small percentage of people who arrive illegally, less than 5%. Most illegal immigrants arrive on an aeroplane and skip their visa. Government policies have been introduced to stop the boats in recent times in an attempt to curtail people smuggling syndicates and attract people from risking their lives at sea, such as processing their applications for asylum on offshore islands such as Nauru and other countries, Papua New Guinea and Cambodia. The current policy has become one of the most polarising debates in Australia. Australia continues to accept refugees from many countries around the world, such as Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Sudan and Vietnam. Australia's refugee and humanitarian program resettles 20,000 refugees each year. Australia is the top three countries for resettlement of refugees, which basically gives refugees a new permanent home country. The USA, Canada and Australia provide 90% of global resettlement places. In fact, Australia is the most generous nation in the world for resettling refugees, when calculated per head of population and by national wealth. However, we are ranked quite low in terms of the number of refugees we take indirectly from war-torn and conflict zones. Most refugees flee to the bordering countries such as Iran, Jordan, Pakistan in the Middle East and the Republic of Congo, Chad and Kenya in Africa and live in camps. Germany's intake of refugees is very high, especially given it is not a bordering country. People from around the world come to Australia not only in search of work or to seek refuge, but also for a promise of a better life, especially for their families. Many migrants have made sacrifices so their children can have a better life. It is perhaps why family is so important in the Australian culture. I wonder too if Australians are viewed as hard workers, partly because of the typical attitude of a migrant who seeks opportunities and are willing to work for it. Migrants also show an incredible resilience and optimism which has shaped Australia's culture.